That was the Stone Roses with She Bangs the Drums, a classic track to start you off on your Tuesday morning. Um, sorry, that's my fake DJ voice. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, that should be banned forever. Uh, for goodness sake, why do people never leave this thing working? I hate the studio so much. Anyway, let's introduce you to the panel, because uh, I'm already getting bored of this damn thing. Um, to my right, as usual, is uh, Alex Paul. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, everyone. That was two listeners already know who Alex is. Um, and across from Alex is number one special guest this afternoon, uh, former presidential hopeful, uh, general sexy top hat wearer, Tom Cruther. Thank you. That's me. Hello. If you could move closer to the microphone, okay. please, Tom. I know you've not done this before. <laughs> and to Tom's right is our actual special guest for this afternoon, Edinburgh Central SNP candidate Marco Bianchi. Hello there. It's good to have you, Mark. Obviously, a change to our uh, build listing of Shirley Ann Somerville. Um, a parliamentary matter arose. Uh, I don't know if that's a euphemism or not, but uh, we'll, we'll go with that. That's a terrible. Um, speaking of SNP MSPs, that segues nicely onto our first story uh, of the SNP saying they're going to. Plant- My microphone's moving. Uh, uh, there we go. The SNP say they're going to bring in some university legislation if re elected in May. Um, which is awfully nice of them to tell us they're they're going to do it. But, uh, <laughs> That's Marco, a bit like saying we're going to do a thing. <laughs> we're going to do a thing. Marco, what, what is the thing that they're going to do? Well, we've got a situation right now where a lot of the laws that set out how universities are governed go back to the 19th century. There's all kinds of interesting ideas that have come around, like elected principles, which is one of those radical ideas that you do have to pay attention to. And it's used elsewhere, like in Ireland. And basically, we just need to upgrade that but also we need to take advantage and look at the student support system which right now is is hideously complicated you know you look at the Not student mention inadequate yeah well yes that is true and that's why we've been boosting it but if you look at the student support system the, the application you get forms that are 40 pages long you have exceptions you have a million different classifications and it's time somebody looked at all that and simplified it so that we had a system that people can actually navigate from start to finish Okay. Um, can I just ask you about the elephant in the room? Fees. Well, no, I wasn't going to go on fees, actually. I was going to... Really? Uh, you surprised me. I know. I was going to ask about your, your policy of four years ago. Um, students voted for you in their droves because the SNP were going to dump student debt. What happened to that? Well, the NUS in 2009 forcefully made the argument that getting rid of student poverty was more important than alleviating graduate debt. And as a listening government, we paid attention to that. And we took the £30 million that we'd allocated for that and put it into addressing that shortcoming in upfront so student support you just mentioned. You'd allocated £30 million to dump all student debt in the country? We'd been able to find £30 million. I mean, right. the budgets, as you know, have not been terribly great in the last few no, years. Absolutely. But so, Alex, uh, yes. university Hello. legislation, students, uh, elected principals, how, how sexy and exciting. My first point would actually be... Um, I can't remember, no, I can't remember what I was going to say. I was going to say that I was... Um, no, I, That's I why I have you on, Alex. <laughs> uh, right, elected principals, sorry, I had a point and I've totally forgotten. Elected principals, um, it, well, we already elect our rector, obviously. So, I mean, I, this would be a cha- change to Tim O'Shea. So, I think it'd probably be... A, a good thing, although I do worry about it becoming party political, which is what the rector position already is. And so last time it was just everyone against Labour, wasn't well, it? Well, yes, last time it was Labour students versus the rest of Edinburgh University, which uh, not going to come along because I wasn't here. But I would, in principle, a good idea. But I would be worried about political hijacking of it because I don't think it's a political post, and that would be my one concern with it. And I'd like to see some sort of 
if it's the idea being introduced, I'd like to see some sort of not encouragement and it's not a political post. Well, the idea came from staff at Glasgow University and at Trinity College Dublin. Principals are elected by the academic staff. I know Edinburgh is unusual that the rector gets elected by both the students and the staff, whereas most of the other universities just have the, the rector elected by the students. But it's one idea that's come forward and one that we'd look at. I mean, we're not committing to it because it's uh, something that you really need to look at all the, the, the ins and outs of. But it's the kind of idea that needs to come forward for reform in universities. Tom, radical thinking, big, big ideas? Um, well, I haven't been here for a uh, rector, um, what was it, for a rector election, election yet. Um, so I'm not really sure how, the, how it works. I mean, I wasn't here. Um, but as you were saying about it becoming party political, I don't know if that's... I mean, for a university, I think it's important that we can be separate from that to an extent, especially when we're electing people who are going to be running us on this small scale as opposed to... I mean, if it was a bigger scale, then fine, make it political, party political, but, um, you know, I agree with you here. Yeah, I mean, 20, I mean 27,000 students isn't uh, that much smaller than the smallest parliamentary <laughs> constituency at the moment. It mm -hmm. is actually a fairly big job being the rector and, and representing them, I think. Um, it's interesting the idea of, would you think students would actually engage with electing a principal? Because well, at I the moment, student election turnouts are... I mean, we had a, an election to elect our student president yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and we had a 25% turnout. Yeah, and that's a, a very good turnout compared to a lot of other universities around the UK. Which is a sad indictment on other universities. Not well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perhaps. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that necessarily students should be electing the principal. I would say that staff and the academic community might want to take that power. But I do think, personally, that there should be more elected rectors. Right now, the ancients have a rector each that is elected by the student body, provides a counterweight. Their role is partially ceremonial, but they also have a, a figurehead position on court, chairing it or being a member there. And that's a very, very useful position to, for the causes and the interests of students. Sadly, it's not the case in the other universities. It was actually our policy a very long time ago to try and extend that. And that's something I'd like to see reopened. And Ian McWorth has been quite, he's been quite yeah. forward on the, he, I know he went down to London yeah. and he's been at all the rallies and marches here, so he has been, I would say he's been quite good, and if he stands for re-election, I'd consider voting for him again, although I wasn't here for the last lot, so. I have also remembered my point from earlier, Callum, oh, good. which was, my Let's point from it. earlier was, I mean, as an English student, obviously, I get, I, I, I'm in a, under a different system, but I know a lot of Scottish students who, who are quite, I'd say not aggrieved. Um, I'm trying to think, or not upset, but they 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 feel it's a bit. Um, they would a lot of them are, are rather disappointed by the fact they only receive 900 pounds a year in support, although they don't pay tuition fees. And a lot of them actually said to me that they'd actually almost prefer the English system, where although I do pay, well, I don't pay. I will be paying back 1,800 pounds a year in tuition fees. I get three and a half thousand pounds a year in student support. It's a huge and, discrepancy. Yeah, and a lot of them. To three and a half. I mean, yeah, 900 quid's not livable off. Three and a half thousand is. Well, if you're paying your rent, it's not, rent, but it it's a definitely a big... It's almost your whole rent covered. It that's, is a big what, that's what I was going to ask you, Marcus. Mm -hmm. The SNP, uh, along with Liberal Democrats and Labour, have now ruled out uh, any sort of payment system for, for tuition. Mm -hmm. uh, no graduate tax, no tuition fees. Do you think that you're going to be able to cover the, the shortfall in student support? You know, I've, 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 what, what, are the, what are the numbers? Can we afford to con continue with the situation of free tuition? 
Free tuition, yes. I mean, the cost gap is £93 million. Pounds. That's from a paper that was signed off with the principals of the universities and has been agreed by Labour and the SNP to be the number. Now, when you put that against a budget of £1.1 billion and have four years to step up that gap, it's clear that filling that gap is a, a matter of choice. It's not a matter of necessity. Now, we believe, and I'm personally somebody who benefited from free education, that that should be entitled. You know, everybody should have that opportunity. And when it comes to it, there is a consensus. There is a consensus here, and I'm welcoming of that because mm. we've had the consensus before. There, there's been a, quite a good consensus in the past on issues such as student support and on, yes, charging students from out with uh, Scotland. Okay. Well, yeah, okay, I was just yeah. going to say my other concern is with the SNP policy, and I mean, obviously, I come from a slightly biased position, mm -hmm. um, is that there have been suggestions that basically English students are just going to be charged more and more to cover the Scottish student funding gap. So what would your... Well, English students already pay more. Students from the rest of the UK pay more. Okay. That was introduced back when top-up fees came in down in England. And the idea was that since a Scottish student going to England would be charged top-up fees, an English student coming to Scotland would be charged the similar amount. And that was instituted by the Labour and Lib Dem government of the time. And it was just accepted as a necessary step. Now that top-up fees are, are going even higher in England, we have to do the same, otherwise it would be dangerous so of being flooded. because Scottish students are going to be paying in England, it's only fair that English students pay in Scotland? That, and if you were going to a home university down in England, you'd be being charged six to £9,000 a year under this scheme, so it's fair that Scotland should charge the same as you would be willing to pay at home. So you think that, Scot that Scottish universities should be able to ch charge English students six to nine thousand pound tuition fees? Well I think the situation is forced on them and in that I agree with the past Lib Dem Deputy First Minister and current views of the NUS Scotland President. Okay. I, what I want to ask you as well is it's uh, I mean my ideal system would be nobody was paying fees north and south yeah. but we have a situation where we've got a gap and into that imbalance there's going to be all kinds of, of difficulties unless we deal with it. And this is the only way yeah. to do it. A university like Edinburgh, obviously, a big issue is foreign student fees. And um, there's a certain amount of concern, obviously, the NUS have expressed the concern that uh, international students are paying maybe £10,000 a, a year for tuition fees and aren't getting a, a good service for that money, considering that we are paying absolutely nothing and getting, this, getting the same service they are. Do you think that there is a problem with the way international students are treated in our universities? Do you think they should be getting a better deal for that? I think if, if you choose to go to a university in another country, you're making quite a conscious choice yourself. I think what there should be is more information for students, and that should be international and domestic. They should know how many contact hours they're going to get, what the facilities are like, what kind of teaching they can expect. And if after that you decide that the £11,000, £12,000 a year price tag is worth it, then that's your decision with your money. So if, we, if we're not offering good service at the moment and we start advertising <coughs> and we're not offering good service, people aren't going to come here. So do we then improve the service or do we just say, OK, we don't care about foreign well, students? I, I think we are uh, We are offering a very good service. We get very high satisfaction rates at Scottish universities and we get one heck of a disproportionate share of the international students that come to the UK. They come to Scotland, uh, both in the EU and out with the EU. So I think we're offering a really great service as it is. If people want to pay for that from abroad, when they could go to their home universities, that's their choice. And as long as nobody's being duped into it, 
I don't have a problem with that. So am, am I the only Scottish student in the room? Are you both? Yes, I'm, I'm English. Yes, you're, as you you're, can probably tell. You are, you are English, but you you're, you technically call Scottish when it fa- when it suits you, don't you, Tom? Uh, <laughs> when it suits me, although unfortunately it doesn't suit me with my fees, which is a shame. Yes, Hopefully. but it does suit you with your student support. So there you go. Well, that's I mean that, that that's the big problem is that the student the student support is what really needs protected. And mm. you know, I, I I've said this before in the past. I would. But almost support a graduate tax if it led to better student support. Um, I want to ask you that. I, I remember what I was going to ask. Um, Tavish Scott came up with a couple of ideas to pay mm-hmm. for the funding gap, um, such as rolling back universal free prescriptions, rolling back the universal free bus passes, making them means tested, and stopping the, uh, those going to to people from wealthier backgrounds. Do you agree with that sort of idea? Or? No, I, I think he's casting around looking for places to fund things and, and coming up with whatever the latest report from the CBI said would be a good place to hit. The, the free bus pass for the elderly has given people a chance to actually get out of their homes. It's caused people to use their cars less and use buses, and it's kept lifeline routes open that otherwise would have shut if it hadn't been for the public subsidy that comes through the pensioners. Any time with pensioners that you means test something, you, the take-up rates go all the way down. I think it's fair that along with the pension, which is not means tested, there should be that kind of free transport. And I think for £93 million out of a £27.5 billion budget, there's no need to target what has been such a successful scheme. Well, what about universal prescription charges then? Because, um, I mean, I, at the time when prescription charges have been going down and down and down, you know, I've continued to get free prescriptions because I'm a student. The elderly still get them. People up to a certain income bracket have, still, have always had them. Why? Do you know what that what? income bracket is? Uh, I don't, but I know it's on the back of the £65 a week. If you're over the level that you would get in Job Seekers Allowance, you didn't qualify for free prescriptions. That's £65 a week. In order to get rid of the expensive bureaucratic system, well, in getting rid of that, the bureaucratic assessment system, we actually made almost half the cost of just going to free prescriptions. Much of the rest comes from smarter prescribing. If you're only giving somebody a prescription if you're giving them for free, you can give them seven days prescription, whereas before there was an incentive to, to give to a person two months, three months, much of that medicine was never used. So overall, the actual cost of free prescriptions is almost negligible. It's been a principled step and it's something so that we is, should stick the with. Cost? The actual cost, depending on whether you look at the efficiencies, is of the order of about 10, 20 million. Thirty million is the top cost. Yeah. Okay. I've just actually done a quick calculation, and Tom and I both don't qualify for free prescriptions. If we're on our student over nineteen. Support, yeah. No, no. But if we if we took our student support allowance as our minimum as our wage for the year, we would be four pounds over the weekly limit. Does that so, count? I don't know if it does. No, it doesn't because we're students. But yeah, if, as long as you're a full time student. But if we were, but if that was our actual wage for a year, only for another month, and then we get we all get free prescriptions. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? Okay, well, I think that's enough uh, SNP bashing. I think Mark has done admirably well. There. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned enough about tuition fees in the Lib Dems, to be honest, Cal. No, no, I don't think we did either. But we've covered that every week since it happened. <laughs> so uh, I've already had it. I've already had Liam Burns on the show lecturing me. So uh, I think that's more than enough of that. So we're going to place another song, and then we're going to come back. And uh, I think we're going to slag off Ed Miliband a bit next. Well, that sounds like fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. And then we'll slag off the coalition, and then we'll... That does sound like fun. And then we'll slag off everyone who disagrees with me. Uh, but this is Newton Faulkner with Badman. <laughs>
Restaurants and shopping malls for meadows Rivers reborn That was Newton Faulkner with Badman, and uh, quite a smooth transition from me, I thought there. You're such a new, smooth guy, Callum. <laughs> my new radio skills that I've uh, developed over the last few weeks here in Fresh Air. So, the next thing we're going to talk about is Ed Miliband's comments on the AV campaign. Uh, Ed Miliband has urged Nick Clegg to lie low, and um, has said the best that... Well, Nick Clegg... Nick, the no to AV campaign want Nick Clegg to appear. Um... So let's start with that. Um, Marco, your thoughts on Ed Miliband's uh, new politics and reaching across the divide? Oh, you can't really blame him, can you? I mean, Nick Clegg's like the unpopular kid at a party that just wants to come up and be friends with you and everybody's trying to push him away. He is a liability. Know, He's from, the from most I, unpopular man Alex in Scotland. that person, but okay. <laughs> well, Alex Salmon's got uh, 51% approval rating. Last time I saw Nick Clegg, I think his immediate family wasn't thinking he was doing a good job. <laughs> I don't know, I think 50% of this room thinks he's doing a good job, and that's, that's about the same. That's about the same. <laughs> yeah, very representative yeah, okay. sample there. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> okay, well, um, Kurther, maybe we can get some unbiased comments from our independent... I'm, I'm unbiased, and I'm like Fox News, unbiased, <laughs> and what, what's that say, fair and unbiased, doesn't it? Fair and balanced. Fair and balanced, there you go. Um, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> The question is, what do we think? He might be fair and balanced, but he doesn't know what's going on. No, no. he's clearly utterly useless. Um, <laughs> he's not coming back. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what do we think about Ed Miliband telling Nick Clegg to stay away from the AV campaign? I mean, you know, fair and balanced. I think he's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you're going to be really upset with me, Callum. You know, with you know, pres- president of the Lib Dem Society. Well done. I know. Thank but you. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I keep plugging elections on this show. <laughs> um, I mean, he's a That'd bit... That's why there's nobody listening. Quite possibly. <laughs> I think um, Nick Clegg, whether you like him or not as a person and as a politician, in a in a PR sense, attaching him to Yes to AV is a bit of a disaster. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I take issue with the fact that the Yes... with suggesting that the Yes to AV campaign is about people. Oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not about, saying that. I, don't th- I know, but I, I, that's what I think Ed Miliband's implying. Ed Miliband's implying that the Yes to AV campaign is, is tied to Nick Clegg. I don't think it is. Well, I think it's. I, his, I think if Nick Clegg gets up on a stage and starts speaking about AV, people are going to have a hard time seeing past Nick Clegg. Yeah, it's, it's, I agree, it's, I agree. it's his baby. It's, you know, it's what yeah. he was pushing for the whole election. But it's not. Well, it's not his it, baby because, in yeah. fact, the only party to, to propose AV election was Labour. But I mean, as can I can I comment now as the uh, yesterday as the fairer votes head of the fairer vote yeah. society? Yes. Well, it's not a society, but <laughs> campaign. Um, no. What I was going to say is like when being out campaigning, um, there are people who say to you. I, I, yeah, I do think Nick Clegg should stay away from it. I mean, because there are one. I think all it's good that Miliband's out in support, and but frankly, he'd do better just to bring his Labour friends along and get them to campaign for it rather. Well, that's than, the thing mm-hmm. as well. He, I, I don't like. I'd rather see either. that than. And I think it's important. That I think Ed Miliband can have a right to tell people to to campaign or not campaign on YesTV when he can get his party to do what he wants. I think it's important that, in fact, all politicians stay away from it because, I mean, I've had people say, you know, you go out campaigning, you say to people, oh, is this just what Nick Clegg wants? You're like, well, no, actually, all the major political parties, I'm not entirely sure what the SNP's position on it, actually, as I have to admit, but all the major political parties, the Conservatives, the to- um, some of the Conservatives are, Labour are, Lib Dems are, the Greens are, UKIP are, in fact, the only people against it, as far as I'm aware, BNP, the Communists, uh, John Prescott and <laughs> Lord Tebbit. 
So and and, and Lord Owen, but we'll which come on to that yes, minute. and Lord Owen. But anyway, it didn't okay. work. It sounds like one heck of a dinner party. Yeah, it does. So, uh, so, so I, want, I wanted to ask Mark, what obviously what is the are the, the SNP SDV? Are we supporting it? The SNP is it on all our leaflets. <laughs> I doubt it'll be a major election issue in the Scottish Parliament elections, which are more about the government of Scotland for the next five Ooh. years. I would think, uh, as a party that has always supported single transferable votes and you know an actual fair voting system that reflects the voters' intentions, AV will be a sideshow for us. I mean, I'm personally going to vote in favour, but not with any sense of enthusiasm. I think I would agree with most of the Lib Dems if, if you know, the Lib Dems looked into their heart of hearts and asked themselves, is this really what they're wanting? So you don't buy the argument that uh, it's a step in the right direction? Yeah, it's it's I, a, Oh, that's what I would say. I mean, it, it may not be full PR, which the Lib Dems have wanted forever, but it's what's on the table. It's what we're being offered. And, I mean, it was a compromise to start off with with the coalition. So if it's an offer we've got, there's no reason to say, oh, no, no, we won't have that because there's something better around the corner. I mean, that's just, you know, perpetuate, you know. Mm. And that's why I'll be voting for it, but with no sense of enthusiasm. And the danger is, the danger is, of course, is that, and I agree with everyone else here, is that if, I mean, yeah, AV is... Is is it's the what's on as Tom says what's on the table is not being offered and we have to you know vote based mm. on that rather than what else we'd like because you know I dare say if you know some SNP supporters would come along vote actually we want independence for Scotland but that's not what's on the table so you no. know you have to vote with what's on the table so I think I think it's step in the right direction and frankly the danger is if we all vote no is that then you know only time anyone brings up electoral reform you've got the hard right of the Conservatives and the hard left of Labour can go oh we didn't want it last time and they're quite happy to stick with their two party system because they get safe seats and they control the very few 120 seats that choose the government in this country and we go back to where we were before which is less than that as well yeah, you're, you're, in, yeah. you're in danger of doing what the Lib Dem at some of the hustings have been at before has done and overselling AV AV isn't going to end the UK's two party system it's going to make the two and a half party system, a bit more of a two and a half party system. You know, the Lib Dems might have 50 uh, right now and they might go up to 80, but we're not going to end the, the the core system at Westminster. We're not going to have a European-style rainbow parliament on the basis of AV. But there's going to be more MPs in Westminster in favour of electoral reform. So it's it's the motion and the momentum is more you're after rather than... I agree, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you to an extent, although I think that... Possibly you could see UKIP under AV winning a couple of seats. I could see them possibly nicking one or two off the Tories. AV's terrible for extremists. People no, always I, I, compromise I into right. the so that's middle. One of, that's one of the things that really annoy me about the um, Cameron's pitch. He's yeah. trying to pitch AV. He's, he's fear-mongering so much about... I mean, so many times when Just he's come out and talked like about... Alex. Just make all the noise you like. Tom, continue. Yeah, um, yeah I watched the, the video Cameron put out about AV. And he was, um, you know, casually sitting around being all blokey and, you know, I'm a normal person. And he was saying that um, he doesn't see how AV would be a good thing when it will let the BNP have two bites at the apple, was his phrase. And apart from being a lie, it's complete <laughs> fear-mongering because he's, he's mentioning the BNP and extremist parties just to try and make it sound like it's something dangerous that could happen when in reality that's not the way it will work. You know, I, th I think you're absolutely right. I think I, I totally hate, I hate the argument that it gives extremist parties a, a better chance because because extremist parties generally don't get second preferences mm -hmm. they get first preferences from that minority mm -hmm. of people who believe in them but they don't get second preferences but that's yeah no one voting labor is going to put the bmps too really yeah <laughs> like, I mean, that, that's part of the well you'd be surprised, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yes. that's part maybe a lot SNP, of people maybe SNP, i don't know um you'd be, it, it would be a little bit difficult to you know I think it would be it become more difficult for. I mean, I'm 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 a I have a soft spot for the Green Party now after how lovely Robin Harper was last week. Um, I don't know. Would they? I don't think they would have won Brighton Pavilion if they'd had 
second preferences maybe or oh, yeah, the, the Greens are very good at sucking up second preferences yeah. so they've been, no, they've been getting they second votes for, for 12 years no, I, I think Callum I think they'd just they didn't count <laughs> I think they were on Brighton Pavilion by more because I think you'd have had a lot of Lib Dem sports in them mm-hmm. a lot of the Labour sports in them a lot of the I mean so in fact they would have lost the Tory vote but they didn't get the they wouldn't get the Tory vote anyway so I think in fact so they would get the Lib Dem but that's a good thing because I, I mean they've be, got yeah. that's a good thing they've I, got all this support you know it may be second pro- you know but if they can then branch out and get more seats then that's that's what the people want at the end I of mean, the day I mean if I was a Lib Dem vote from Brighton I'd, I'd want the Greens in second yeah and it, it <coughs> does give I suppose a little bit more legitimacy to people like Caroline Lucas who some you know you could some people do could dismiss as saying well you only got thirty three percent of the vote, so and that's only eighteen percent of the eligible voters. So actually, you only won by a whisker. So we don't have to take you seriously. And I think as well, they v keeping extremists out. There's another really good argument, which is that as well as in ninety seven, in two thousand one, two thousand five, and possibly twenty ten, there wouldn't have been a Tory elected in Scotland. And that's what I call keeping extremists Yay. out. <laughs> That's nice. That's <laughs> nice and cross-party. Um, well, I wanted to briefly... Fair and bounced. Exactly, like Fox News. Before we go to another song, I want to briefly talk about the second part of this article, which was uh, the new campaign strategy from No to EV, which has to be, I have to say, seems like one of the most disorganised campaigns I've ever seen. Is this, have you seen their ads about, if you vote AV, children will die? Oh, we, we covered that a couple of weeks no. ago. And it was utter- I thought if you vote AV, everyone dies. Everyone dies. Death panels. Yeah. Yeah. We lose the Iraq war. Yeah. Babies will die mm-hmm. um, because you can't have AV kids and you know, maternity be units. Retarded. We won't have any schools. We won't have any schools. Yeah. So the, <laughs> this new part of the No TV campaign um, is the No to EV Yes to PR, bar- backed by that you know that saintly, sane man we all know and love as as Lord Owen, the same Lord Owen that came out a couple of months ago and said, oh, "I'll vote Labour," like, forgetting that you can't vote because he's a lord. But <laughs> he's, he's can he vote in the referendum? Uh, can Lords vote in the referendum? That's a good question. You're the guy, you're the fair votes guy. That's true, I don't know. I also don't know if, if, I know that if you're a European citizen, you can vote for Scottish Parliament, but I don't Mm. know if they can vote for the, they can't. Yes, the the SMP can vote for himself. That's, that's a worrying thought. Okay, um, yeah, so what do we think of no to EV, yes to PR? We've, we've kind of covered it already, but, uh, yeah, Lord Owen's a bit weird. Well, it's half right. He's half right. (laughs) He's just got the first bit wrong. Yeah. This is a man that's had one heck of a political journey. He started in Labour, moved to the uh, SDP, formed the Alliance, uh, left over the formation of the Lib Dems, endorsed the Tories in 92, and has now made all his way back to Labour. I, I doubt you'll agree with himself tomorrow. You know, it's clearly a man that you can't really take seriously. Is, is he not joining the SNP soon? Because he's about the only major political party he hasn't supported then. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll send him a membership form. <laughs> I did, yeah, Get it in do, the post. You do seem to be getting some uh, some odd supporters recently. Uh, but, you know, strong unionists coming out in support of the SNP, which well, is a little strange. as I said, the next election will be about the government for Scotland. And if people want to back us on that basis, they're more than welcome to. Fair enough. Well, I think that's uh, that seems like a good place to wrap that aim up. And we're going to go to another song. I just have to say what I'm going to play now. Uh, hmm. You're so organised on this show. I am very <laughs> organised. I've clearly thought bit it all See, in, fr- in front of us at the moment, we've got a um, bit of paper with all the topics we're about to discuss, and yet Callum hasn't got a playlist. <laughs> I don't know. Of course I don't have a playlist. I wouldn't, why would I have a playlist? Oh, well, he would have written a playlist. If anyone's listening, apparently he doesn't use the station playlist. No, because it's, it's, uh, it's not... It's a special... This is a special show. Uh, we, <laughs> we only play uh, music that, you know, can be defined in the genre of good. So, um... 
Yeah, we're gonna we'll play some Biffy Clyro because it's that time in the morning. But it's a more sedate Biffy Clyro. This is all the way down. It's actually quite a long one, so I'll probably cut it off near the end because um, Pro- professional DJ. Well, we have right twenty five minutes, and it's a six minute forty three song. So I'll probably cut it off after about four. But enjoy some of "All the Way Down" by Biffy Clyro. And that was Biffy Clyro with All The Way Down. As I said, I've cut that off a little bit early because it's quite long. Um, I didn't realise how long it was when I put it on my pen drive this morning. Um, we were just having a discussion in the break about how much alcohol we've drunk in the past week and Marco said that leads nicely on to uh, to our our, se- our third story on health groups rejecting the UK government's responsibility deal on alcohol. Now, uh, I would say as well that uh, the email is now back up and running because the... The second computer in the studio has been goosed for a good three weeks now, but we've now got the email back up and running. So if you want to email in, it's uh, studio at freshair.org.uk. If you've got any questions for any of the panellists, any questions for me, anything you want to raise on what we've been talking about, do email in. Uh, you can also tweet me at calum underscore Leslie. Uh, if you've got any comments on there, I know there's a big Twitter following for this show, uh, both of you that are listening. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to talk about the this responsibility deal. Now, Obviously, the SNP this weekend have reaffirmed their commitment to minimum pricing, um, which is something that the other parties don't agree with, and Cruther doesn't agree with because he likes cheap cider. But uh, okay, that's so not why I don't agree with it. That is why you don't agree. No, with it's, it. that's, that's literally not why I don't agree with Cruther, it. Cruther, why don't you agree with minimum pricing? Go. Well, because I think it's the uh, crimes of the few, and then everybody's going to be punished by it. I mean, there are there are a minority that uh, abuse alcohol and become violent or whatever, and cause social problems. And yet, if you set a minimum price, then it means that every single person who um, drinks is being punished for the crimes. You're looking at me in a very it's not odd really way. true, though. It's not everyone that drinks. It's everyone that drinks cheap alcohol. And yeah, people, but that's, 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 a lot of people do drink cheap yeah, but alcohol. People, don't drink don't... Che- people drink cheap alcohol to get drunk. And you're people... saying that every single person who, drink, who drinks cheap alcohol to get drunk is then a social problem? Well, yes, I think drinking to get drunk is a social problem. No, I call them. But that's, on, something, that's something that needs to be addressed to you. Go out, get drunk, get drinks to get drunk, then go out for a night out. Yeah, we go did, home, were you here in Toddle off to bed. And get STDs no, and alcohol don't. They toddle off to go to bed, then they get up next I mean, morning and turn up their lecture at 10, and the worst social news... turn up to their lecture at Well, then, 10. exactly, the worst social news they are is they might turn up and fall asleep at the back. I don't I know. Mar- to Mar- say a lot Mark will back me up here. <laughs> well, I'm quite enjoying watching you guys disagree. It's unusual. I know, uh, I'm a student that's in favour of minimum pricing. I know well, that. I'm also a Lib Dem that's in mm-hmm. favour of minimum pricing, so I am two minorities. No, the like National Union of Students is in favour of minimum pricing as well in is Scotland. Right? The National Union of Students, yeah. as is the Episcopal Church, the What's Pub it? Owners Association, uh, Alcohol Pub Focus and like BMA it. Scotland. The Pub, so or, very the pub Owners Association normally like it because that would stop people buying alcohol in supermarkets and put people back in pubs. Well, that's true. Hope. That's why the pubs like it, which I can understand. Yeah. So, Marco, defend me on minimum pricing. Well, I think we're in a situation now where in <clears> Scotland <throat> you've got the average or the equivalent of 46 bottles of vodka drunk by each person in the country every year. Now, okay, I'm here in a, a student radio uh, station, so that might sound like just a, a nice weekend in, but <laughs> it's, yeah, one heck, it's one heck of a public health problem. It's a three and a half billion pound cost to the NHS in crime terms, in all the, the associated costs that everybody has to pay for. And if we're going to, 
actually be serious about this, we need stronger measures than England is proposing. And I remember back in the day when I was at university, you know, 45p for a vodka shot, which is what we would have as the minimum price. You know, that was unheard of back then. And I think, you know, today, if you actually look at the 45 pence a unit price, it's not in any way an obstacle to sensible drinking. It's purely something that would affect people that are binging beyond yeah. anything responsible. You could still you could still get a pint for one pound fifty, you can still get a mm-hmm. shot for fifty P, I think that's I think that's or probably forty five. That's probably push the boat out. I mean the hive you can yeah. get absent shots for one pound fifty at the moment. As, as I did learn they were one pound last year. Well, but I think it. I think it shows the scope of the, of the problem that just by putting a minimum price of forty five p a unit, we would actually save lives every year in Scotland, according to all the medical moni- modelling. You saying about um, people drinking forty six bottles of vodka? What is that a, a, a year? Or a something, year, yeah. That, that's okay. how much is sold in Scotland. So, uh, are you saying that they that you know people drink that much because it's cheap, and so they might as well? Or, or you say, I mean, I think it's I think it's a wider social problem in terms of education, and people need to be taught about oh, no, the dangers I, I of drinking too much. I absolutely agree. Because I just because I, something's I, cheap doesn't mean mm. you buy it. I mean, cigarettes are relatively cheap, but I don't smoke. Unless uh, given to you. Unless, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the single biggest thing to, that's helped cut smoking in this country has been the public smoking ban, which mm. did more than education had for for all those decades that had been tried. I, I, th- I think I think you're right. I think minimum pricing isn't the silver bullet, but I think minimum pricing is. Is a part of the solution. I just think it's not something you should think is, um, you know, like oh, if we just make it more expensive, nobody will drink anymore. Because people who really want to drink and get drunk and have those problems, the more you know, who have the, a drinking problem, will just spend more and then be poorer in every other respect. <laughs> That's true, but people at that level need health interventions. Yeah. You know. It's not so much the people at the very end of the bell curve. It's the big group of people that don't think they've got a problem, but are drinking themselves to death. See, I, that's what I was about. I think, um, but then again, I think, I guess in that issue, you might find students in that particular demographic. And I, and I, I think that if you made alcohol more expensive for students especially, I don't think they would necessarily drink less. I think it would just be, a, I think they would just have say, less of a loan I left. I don't think students are the ones that are drinking special brew. I don't think they're the no, ones that are, that are drinking the Tesco value cider. Mm, that's no. that's yeah. the one that was, was Tesco value cider, which is a horrific amount of units of alcohol. Yeah, Buckfast, let's to, be honest. Well, I mean, Buckfast, oh, Buckfast is, is delicious. Even, <laughs> Buckfast isn't even that bad. I mean, mm. if you talk cheap, it's not caffeine. Is that a recommendation? Caffeine. It's no, caffeine I, I in like it that does the The Tesco supermarket brand cider that's maybe £1.50 a bottle and can be, you know, 15 units of alcohol or something like that. It's a horrific amount of alcohol for so, for so cheap. And the people that are drinking that are 14 to 18 year olds or 12 to 18 year olds, if you like, who can't get into pubs and don't go, and don't go out drinking. They go out and drink in, this, in public and people who have an alcohol problem. And surely those are the people that we want to stop the flow of alcohol. Right. Can well, I, I, agree, quickly. I agree with that, but I just think it's... Uh I just think it's an education rather than a pricing problem. Can I comment quickly? I, I have to admit, I have a I have a conflict of interest here. I'm actually a member of Camera, um, which is the really? campaign for Rio Ale. Yes, you do love you do love your yes Rio. yes. Which is my concern with minimum pricing is that <laughs> I agree with everyone's points about how the one pound fifty cider that is sold in Tesco's is ridiculous, and I would support minimum pricing for that. But I think a blanket minimum pricing would you do risk, and there is a big. There is a big and vibrant real ale market out there, and a, a, you know, and real ale, real ale um, producers and breweries, and only local businesses employing local people. How much based in local real ale yeah. though? Uh, about three pounds at the moment. About if you right, uh, yes, but how how can I? Uh, that's the point. Real ale is a very, can be very variable. I can give you ones that are 
nine percent beer, right? A real ale pint of nine percent, which is I have no idea how many units it is. I suspect that, like six that or would seven. be four and a half for four a pint. So yeah, you'd okay, be looking at under two pounds the minimum price. But then, but then I think course, actually real a, ale would actually have its but on top of minimum price up in price. But on top of that, though, they've even got to also. On top of that, though, they've also because they're local businesses and they don't have a big turnover, they've got to also make money off that. And I just but I mean, it's it's not a tax that we were proposing; it's a floor price for selling. So would you say that? So you'd say that it has. So you'd say that the law would say that. A, so the law would say that if you have a two-unit drink, it has to be sold at ninety p. Yeah, that's no, it doesn't. Say, it doesn't. Well, have that, to that's be what it would be. It can't be sold at less, less than, than ninety p. I see. Okay, I can see why it's. I I would be. I would not be entirely against it, but I would I would want to see reassurances that it would target just what we've already mentioned, which is the cheap rubbish alcohol that just is drunk by people to get drunk. Because I don't think anyone who drinks real ale is drinking real ale to get drunk. They might get drunk as a side by it, but they're probably yeah, going to go home and go to bed. The concern with that is if once once you've set this minimum thing, if then the alcohol problem continues to increase, the government might say, oh, well, we're going to put it up to 60p a unit now. Oh, we're going to put up to seventy p a unit now, and it it can once that once the system's in place, I could foresee like student tuition fees. It's in a England. bit like student tuition <laughs> fees in England. <laughs> once they're in, they're quite easy to increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, I, well, because because it would be an easy thing for a government to say like, oh, you know, we're going to put it up by another ten p. You know, we're being responsible. You know, look at us shine. I mean, uh, the, obviously, <laughs> the, for us. Another, exactly. <laughs> another yeah, I think that's another, the problem. Another criticism of the scheme is that uh, that's for the it's for the noisy people are shouting outside. That's quite all right. It's not as if we're in a recording studio or anything. Um, Jesus. Uh, they're probably just blitzed on Bucky. They probably, they probably are. They're probably less than cheap cider. No, I mean, there, <laughs> there is another part of the argument that uh, minimum pricing is flowing money into the pockets of supermarkets. Do you? Is there any sort of... They, do the, would the ASAP support no. a, a tax-based system rather than, you know, with uh, money being able to flow back into the Treasury and back into alcohol prevention solutions rather than just putting it into the pocket of supermarkets? The ideal system would be one that incorporated tax so that we could take that profit back, yes. The problem is we don't have the powers in the Scottish Parliament. So why don't you support the Scotland Bill? Uh, we they do, do. Now. <laughs> they, Oh yeah, we oh, do. You do now. We all we always have on the basis that it could be a lot better. And it doesn't <clears> actually give us the power to do this. So so let's let's not yeah. fudge that. We did actually try to introduce a thirty million pound supermarket tax very recently uh, to try and redress the balance on the high street between small business and big business. And I, I seem to remember uh, the Lib Dems voting against that. <laughs> That's uh, a different issue we can discuss later. Uh, just just um, a quick question. We talked uh, about the Tesco tax when it happened. No whiskey. Whiskey would all be cleared under this wouldn't it I'm just thinking that no, there's no whiskey that's Alex is just thinking of all the alcohol yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's trying to make sure I that am. you're safe yes I am um, about the tax uh, what would you say about um, uh, taxing the cheap so, that, so the supermarkets don't end with more money so, but, so putting sort of a, a level of duty on it so yeah. that there is a minimum price but isn't half the problem um, but that's that collected by London not by Holyrood yep yeah, well that's, and that's so the so well then, but then, but then also, how do you see it coming back to Holyrood? London would just no, but that that was my point. That in, in an ideal situation, Holyrood would have that power. Well, I'll quote you on that. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. you can you can absolutely quote the Liberal Democrats on being in favour of of, of lot, a lot of fiscal devolution. Mm. It's just obviously we're in coalition with the Conservatives, and they're not. Yeah. Um, They'd but, scrap the Scottish Parliament tomorrow if they could. Um, <laughs> Tom, um, yeah, but I think half the problem isn't it that the uh, supermarkets sell it. Um, there's a, a lot of alcohol is a loss leader for them, and they sell it under the cost of tax. Yeah, I mean, they they pay to sell it to you. That, Isn't that half the problem? Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely needs to stop. That, that's, that's actually so that's actually been oversold. So if you actually look at the cost of tax on these ciders in particular, it is way below. Yeah, uh, but I'm just, I'm just interested to know how much um, money you, uh, supermarkets get in their pocket from the really cheap 
alcohol well, as opposed to why don't more expensive you, stuff. Why don't you Google that, Tom, while we go to our <laughs> band of the week? Because we do only have just over ten minutes left of the first hour. Um, we're going to go to this week's band of the week. Uh, I saw them last week at Maggie's Chambers, uh, headlining their Scottish tour. It's a Manchester band called Pegasus Bridge. This is a song off their new album, While We Were Young, and it's called Ribena, and I quite like it. I've been listening. I didn't like them when I saw them live, I must admit. I, I thought they were pretty rubbish. But now I've listened to them. You're I've selling listened- it well here. I've listened to them <laughs> quite a lot, and it's actually really, really catchy, and I really like it. So, uh, yeah, have a, have a listen to this, and then we'll come back and hear what the panel think, and then we'll maybe, I don't know, grill Marco for a bit, and then he can go away. <laughs> See you in a bit. Bye. <laughs> 